this is Abby, and this is the Talk About God podcast, and today is just a very interesting day. Um, I've moved on in my reading, I think I'm in 2 Samuel now, um, actually, no, I apologize. Yeah, I'm reading about David, um, and just always amazed that he's called a man after God's own heart. Um, and then you get into the nitty gritty of what all he's done and what his sin, his own personal sin causes and the heartache, right? So like David, David sins, he's the one who does it yet his major one is of course with Bathsheba and like, that's where it kind of gets rolling, right? Everything, David's a good, good man, a soldier, a wise man, a not really sinless, I guess he's still sinful, um, on certain levels, but like as far as what we as humans judge, because we all have our big and little sins, right? So David gets with Bathsheba, then kills her current husband, because now he's he's an adulterer. Like he's caused her to also be an adulterer because she's married to Uriah. And Uriah is out fighting. He sees her bathing <laughs> because he wasn't at war where he was supposed to be. Which just goes to show you sometimes there are places you're supposed to be that you need to get your butt to because if not you are now opened up to other temptation that you have to resist and david doesn't resist this temptation no idea why david didn't go to war but david didn't and so he he takes the sheba sleeps with Bathsheba, then sends her home and then she notifies him that he's she's pregnant so then he gets uriah off the front out of the battle brings him home with this beautiful scheme, right? He starts scheming and plotting and planning on how to cover up his sin. How can I hide this? So he he makes a decision to send, bring Uriah home so that Uriah will then naturally sleep with his wife. And if he sleeps with his wife, then it's no blood, no foul, because then now he can say that Uriah is the father of this child that is obviously his. That doesn't go according to plan because Uriah is a good, um, a wonderful soldier and a really great man. And so he comes back, but never goes home. He sleeps outside and all these things in a tent because he knows that his comrades are out fighting where he should be. He knows where he should be. And so because he cannot be where he should be, he is doing the next best thing. And he is standing in solidarity with his brothers who are at war. So he never goes home. So then David sends him back and says, send him to the front send him to the worst of the fighting and just let him die. Literally, that's what David does. Man after God's own heart. And so his plan, of course, works and Uriah dies. And then he takes Bathsheba as his own wife, okay? So we have David's huge sin. First, he was an adulterer, right? Then he kills a man knowingly in an effort to cover up his own sin. And I think that trying to cover it up and hide it is just probably another sin. Let's be honest, it's lying. So he's got a trifecta at this point. Plus he's not where he's supposed to be when he knows he's supposed to be there. So he's willfully ignoring a command by God. Um, So like he's got this whole, whole mess of sins going on. And guess who, guess how his punishment goes. So it's not just David that suffers, right? It would make sense that like, I screwed up, I sinned, that's my bad, I'm the one who sinned, I wronged, so I am guilty, and I'm going to be punished. 
And unfortunately, the way the world works and the way sin works is there's collateral damage. It's just factual. So David sins. Bathsheba loses a husband. Naturally, Bathsheba's probably heartbroken. Um, then they have this son together. And God takes his son's life. So it's not, I mean, David was punished, but David's punishment was losing his own son. David loses his son in punishment for his sin. And I cannot, I just, I can't, my, my brain is like firing so fast because life and the way it happens and the things that go on around me personally and otherwise, I cannot help but finally have my eyes open of going, Lord, oh my gosh, like there has been heartache in our lives and things that are what I, what we could all probably agree are unnatural. It's unnatural. It's unnatural for David to sin and lose his son. How is that cause and effect add up? How does that make sense for God to rip something that's supposed to be sacred from him? But then it says, we know that God says that children are like arrows and that they are blessings and all these things. So it makes sense that if you are so entrenched right? Because at this point, David, this is not a little sin. This is not just David, like, lying, like, something happening, like, David didn't consult God first, and he made a rash decision, and then he turns around and runs back to God, saying, I'm so sorry, I didn't consult you first. And then, going from there, he immediately repented all this. No, 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 no. This is David being willfully sinful. This is David being willfully ignorant to the, to the, requirements, commands, and judgments of God. David knows better. It's not like David should be surprised. And how I know David knew better is because of David's reaction to his son's death. So while David's son is sick, okay, he gets sick first. Infant gets sick. While he's sick, David fasts, David prays, and David weeps. That is all David does for days going to God and trying so hard to convince him not to do what he knows, what he sees coming. He sees this coming. He knows that his son is going to be taken from him and he goes to God and he tries to change God's mind. So he knows what he has done is wrong. He knows without a doubt. And then when David finds out that his son is dead, now that he knows, okay, you're done. Your son's dead. What does David do? He eats, he showers, and he goes about the rest of his life. Why? Because even David says that there was no point in continuing to fast and pray and all of these things. Because the only reason he did it was to try and change God's mind about the punishment that he was going to receive. And once the punishment had then been carried out, there was no need to continue to fast and pray for a child's life that God's already taken. He knows without a doubt he was guilty in his sin. He knows this. And so, it's just, it's mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling to me how we can live our lives the way we do. And this goes all across the board. So many of us live our lives willfully sinful. I'm not going to say that anyone is, it's like no one's perfect. I'm not saying that you have to be perfect. I'm saying that when you sin, you repent. 
you run straight to God as soon as you notice it. There's Old Testament texts that talk about the Jews and their sacrifices, and that they would even sacrifice for sins that they were unknowingly committing. So they would know that, hey, I'm sinful. I'm not going to necessarily know all of my sins. There are going to be times that I am sinning and I don't even realize it. So I'm going to go ahead and cover that one too. The ones I don't even know to confess. I'm going to cover those too. You know, you have Job going and sacrificing for his children every time his children get together because they may unknowingly have sinned as well. And he loves his children so much that he wants to make sure that they are right with God, no matter what their sin is, no matter what they have done. He wants to make sure that they are right with God. And that is by acknowledging that we are flawed, imperfect humans. Yes. But then also not laying in bed willfully with our sin. What does that mean? Let me just go out there with culture. Okay. I'm going to talk to you about culture. Our culture tells us that boys can be girls and girls can be boys. False. God created man and woman both in his image. Absolutely. But guess what? You cannot change the pronouns of God. God is his, him, almighty. These are things are, they are un, indisputable. These are fact. So the world is trying to change what they view to be fact. How many um, churches are allowing drag queens to preach and otherwise? Okay, let's be clear. Drag queens, first of all, were meant to be adult entertainment, not public forums kind of situations. You could choose whether or not you wanted to go see a drag queen or not. Now, you don't get a choice. Your children don't get a choice. You have, um, and make no mistake, I'm guilty, okay? Please don't think, I am guilty. I was living with my husband before we were married. Why? Because the world told me that that's what you were supposed to do, right? You're supposed to feel it out. You're supposed to make sure you're compatible. You're supposed to have premarital sex um, because it's just natural and it's a way of life and why would you not? And all of these things, does that make it right? Absolutely not. Why? Why would I now being guilty, guilty myself of these sins that I have obviously since repented from, but regardless, being guilty of these sins myself, why would I tell you that I see it as a sin now? That had I known what I know now, then I would have chose differently. I would have. Why? Because knowing what I know now, I could have saved myself so much heartache. God doesn't make these rules in order to harm us. He does it for our good. So I know for a fact that early years of marriage could have been a lot different, could have been much more wonderful. Why? Because we could have experienced certain things together for the first time. We could have been figuring things out. We could have been getting to know one another. It would have brought a whole new excitement um, to our marriage that we didn't have because it was just like same oh same right? Like we already live together. We're just going to keep living together. Like nothing's really changing other than a last name and a ring on a finger. And that's not fair. That's not fair. That's not what God has for you. He has something so much better, so much more exciting, so much more amazing. There's a reason that marriage is supposed to be holy and set apart because it's supposed to be a certain way and we don't live up to that. We just don't. As a culture, we throw that out the gate. So there's one. Um, marriage between a man and a woman. I feel like this is insane that I even have to say it, but that's factual. It's between a man and a woman. 
So why? Why does our culture tell us that these things are not factual? Oh, that it's okay to cheat, right? As long as just a little bit, just a tiny little cheat, it's okay. Uh, lying, lying's also fine. As long as it's a little white lie, always meant for somebody's good, never for their harm. As long as there's a right intention in it, you're okay. Go ahead and lie. No, no, and no. Um, I said, what? Don't judge other people. We all get all bent out of shape about that one, about don't judge other people, because we take things out of context. Um, God says that you're not supposed to judge other people if you yourself are guilty of these sins. AKA, if you're going out to the bar every night with your bestie, and then you wake up one day and you're like, oh my gosh, she drinks or he drinks too much. They've taken it too far. So I'm gonna go and I'm gonna tell them how bad they are and how they just, they've gone too far. And I go and I do that. Well, guess how that's gonna be received? Not very well, right? Why? Because they're gonna go, well, you were just there with me last night, handing me every shot and taking one with me each time. So if I am that bad off, so are you, so you can kiss it. That's exactly the way that goes. When is it appropriate? It's appropriate if I go and get myself cleaned up. If I go and get right with the Lord and I quit going to bars, I quit partying, I quit doing all these things and I find Christ and I follow him and I am obedient. Then I go to my friend and I say, hey, I love you so much. And because I love you so much, I need to tell you that what you're doing is going to lead you nowhere fast. What you are doing is only gonna cause you harm. And I am living proof that what God has provided for us is so much better that I wanna share this experience with you. I wanna come alongside you. I wanna help you get cleaned up. I wanna help you relearn things and change your habits and make, make something of yourself that's different than what you've always been. I want to do that. Then at that point, the worst thing they're going to do, which I'm going to tell you is probably going to happen, is they're going to call you a Bible dumper. They're going to tell you that you're judging them and you're not supposed to judge because that's not loving and all of these things. And in the end of the day, they're going to be wrong. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes you're going to lose friends. I'm going to be honest. You're also going to have times when there are generational curses placed upon you and it goes way back. It's all throughout your family. I've got history of alcoholism in mind and make no mistake that is definitely a generational curse that is definitely a demon sent to plague us as a family and so act like I'm insane all you want totally fine just gonna be real with you and so when I decide that I'm gonna break that I'm gonna break that cycle I'm gonna be the one that stands and says I will not be an addict I refuse to go down that road I refuse to live a lifestyle in which I'm dependent on anything other than Jesus. I refuse. Well, guess what happens? Real quick, you are a Bible thumper. You are a pew hopper. You are judgmental. All of these things. Because the Jesus in you will set off demons in others. There are people, there are relationships that I can't have anymore. And it sucks. It sucks so bad. It is a pruning that God has done in my life that literally, to this day, is still one of the more painful prunings I've ever had in my entire life. And it changes nothing. Just because it hurts doesn't mean that God is not good in doing it. Just because it hurt for David to lose his son doesn't mean that God was wrong in taking him. These are the things that we have to wrap our head around. These are the things that we have to acknowledge and understand that God alone is just. 
God alone is righteous. God alone knows everything. And make no mistake, those things that people say about you, the things that you never hear, God hears. So just take comfort in the fact that one day, one day you are going to be vindicated. Because at the end of the day, vengeance is his and his alone. It is not for us. It is not my place to sit here and go and rail and air out all the dirty laundry of my life and just let everybody who's wronged me have it. That's not my place. It's not my job. Why? Because it's his job and not mine. And I am not going to overstep on that. Like, and trust me, it's hard because again, the world says, speak your truth. You know what I mean? Go ahead and say it like it is. That's such a cute one. Um, all of these things, but it's not factual. <laughs> like there's a limit. <laughs> you are only allotted a certain level before you have to shut up and lock it down. And it's a hard one to find. Obviously, I'm sure you can tell. I got a, I've got a mouth. I find it so hard. My tongue is so incredibly sinful. It is so incredibly simple. And I mean, I have cuss words pop into my head without me consciously like really thinking of them, which is awful at the same time. And again, the world thinks that cussing is perfectly fine, but there is power of life and death in your tongue. The things that I speak to you, the things that I just put out there for you to hear, and even the things that I think and I don't speak, there is power in words. Why do you think that Jesus is the Word made flesh? Why do you think the power of the Bible is so real? Why do you, why are there buildings burning and Bibles still left untouched in those buildings? Why do you think that? How many times I've seen houses leveled, but prayer closets in those houses are still perfectly intact because there is power in the word of God. There is power in the word of his created beings because he created us to be in union. So yes, he created us to be in union. And I just, I guess I personally get baffled at why knowing that he wanted to walk with us he created the garden of eden he would come he would walk with adam and eve and he always knew where they were but he always gave them the option to to tell him he wanted that conversation he wants that relationship yet how quickly do we myself included forget that he's just as present now as he ever was then that once you accept christ as your lord and savior the Holy Spirit then dwells within you. We get this idea that once saved, always saved is a thing. And I cannot stress enough how many times I've seen throughout scripture that the Holy Spirit will come dwell upon someone. Saul is a perfect example. Um, and King Saul would have the Holy Spirit come dwell within him and he would make a really great decision. And then the Holy Spirit leaves him again. Doesn't mean that he loves God any less. No, it wasn't that Saul loved God more in those moments. It was the fact that God was using him as an instrument. And the fact that the Holy Spirit left him is because Saul was not obedient. Saul was still out for number one. And number one in Saul's mind was Saul, not God. He proved that by chasing David all over the countryside. By not ever allowing him to rest until Saul himself died. Like, and David didn't celebrate Saul's death as like a great victory. He was heartbroken because 
Saul was anointed by God. He knew that regardless, God had chosen Saul for a reason and that God is holy and righteous and knows far more, even though it makes no sense because Saul did nothing but make David's life miserable. But at the end of the day, like he garnered the friend in um, Jonathan, which had Saul never been a thing, Jonathan would never have been a thing. Um, you know, there's, there's certain things in life and certain seasons, I guess is what I may eventually get to and land on here. So let me see if I can try and put this together, this thought. But there are seasons in our lives, some that last more than others. I think Saul was chasing David. I, I can't remember how many years, but it was like a lengthy amount of time. It was like at least, I don't know, a handful or more years that he's chasing him. And so this is a difficult season, right, for David. He was anointed as king as a young boy. So he knew where he was eventually going to end up, yet he had to wait. He had to be patient and wait on the Lord to do the fighting for him. There were so many times that he could have killed Saul himself and, you know, sped up the plan like Sarah and Abraham did, right? Um, and having Ishmael and Isaac, they, they knew the plan. They knew God's end game, but they didn't have the patience to wait like they were supposed to. God still fulfilled the plan. God still honored what he said he was going to do, but he, they, they messed it up. They caused themselves more heartache than they had needed to. So I think that always keeping in mind that God does want what's best for us and knowing that nine times out of 10, we have no idea what is best for us. Not a, not a clue, not a faint idea, not a nothing. And it's easy when sitting in the middle of the trial, when sitting in the hard season, it is so easy to think that you're wrong. Think that God does not love you. Think that you are yourself sinful. David at this point was not sinful. Saul has been chasing him and David has been nothing but honorable the whole time. He's running with a band of crooks, of people who are preaching the exact opposite into him and he's still seeming strong. He's still following through with what he knows God wants him to do. So even in these hard seasons with pressures of others around you telling you that you need to be doing X, Y, or Z, just know that above all, listen to God. Listen to God, the only one who matters. Do everything in your power to listen to him. What do I mean, right? Like we all want to hear from God. What does that mean? What does that equate to? I will tell you, personal perspective, the more you mature in your faith, the less you're going to be handheld by God. The more he is going to make you rely on your mature faith and your knowledge of who he is and his word in order to discern whether you are listening to him or not. So what, again, what does that mean? I feel like everything when it comes to our walk with God is so cryptic in all these things anymore because everything's all about mysticism um, and how you feel and like what your horoscope says and all these things. That's not reality. The reality is get in your work, get in the word. This is why I will always say, get in the word, get in the word, get in the word. Because this is multiple times that I've gone through the story of David now. Multiple times. 
And every single time you can go back, there are plenty of podcasts on here at this point to prove to you that I will always find something new. There will be a word that I've already read before that now applies to me today differently than it did the first time I read it. Does it mean that that word was wrong the first time I read it or I misinterpreted it or whatever? No, it means that the word is living, it is active, and it is always applicable to your life. It will never cease to be applicable. So always get in the word. Also, take the plank out of your own eye before you start picking sawdust out of other people. If you think that God wants you to do something, spend lots of time in prayer and in his word before you take action. What do I mean? There are so many people that I've encountered that will say, I've prayed about it. I've talked to God about it. But have you shut your mouth and listened? Have you closed your yap and quit talking at him long enough to open up your Bible and spend time sitting at his feet and listening to him? Because if not, you are not accomplishing anything. All you are doing is a ringing of a gong. You are making yourself feel holy. You are trying to make yourself feel obedient. But at the end of the day, true obedience is learning how to harness your tongue. It's learning how to not when you desperately want to. I would reference the Shut It Up as verses, um, but apparently I could not find the podcast myself in order to provide it to someone else. Um, so I'll make a new one. I'll, I'll make a new podcast just on Shut It Up as verses um, so that you can understand what it is God is calling us to. We are not always supposed to always speak our mind. There are so many times when we are called to stay silent and let God do the work. And again, when you know that you're carrying around a sword, that is your tongue, then it doesn't matter. It's just as bad to sling around words as it is to start throwing out punches. It is exactly the same. Think about it. How many times have you been hurt? You personally, how many times has someone said something and it affected you much like a sucker punch to the gut. It, it nauseates you, it angers you, it causes you to weep. All of these things, it hurts physically when people open their mouths sometimes based off of what that comes out and what they say. I would encourage you, do not be that person. And even if that means not getting to say what you want to say, sometimes you don't need to, okay? Sometimes you need to just Lock it down, okay? And I, I am one of the ones that is the guiltiest. I have spent literally years now. Like, gosh, I don't know. Five, no, I've spent like almost 13 years now. Welcome to marriage. I've spent almost 13 years now learning what battles I need to fight and what battles I need to take to God which all of them need to be taken to God. Let me put that first and foremost. Always pray. Pray first. Spend time in his word so that you can also listen to his response. That's communication. It's not just one-sided. And then determine what his will is. Do you open your mouth and say something? Okay, well, what do you say? This needs time and curation. It needs to be well-considered and not rash or quick. Our society thoroughly loves quick-wittedness 
the wittier you are, the faster you are at coming up with responses, that is honor so much along with just being busy. Busy, 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 busy. Well, guess what? <laughs> That's not what God honors. God honors you to allow him to set the pace of your life. Sometimes that means the pace is going to be slower than what society tells you you should do. And inevitably you're going to feel lazy. Well, guess what? Time well spent with God is never going to return void ever. So in those slow moments, take the time to spend with him. Um, hello, also preaching to myself. So don't, don't think that I'm perfect. There are times that I've had slow moments and I've literally spent the whole day in bed um, because I've told myself that I need to rest and recuperate when really I needed to spend time in his word and that's on me. Um, so just keep that in mind. Slow is fine. And it's okay not to have a witty comeback all the time. It's okay to take time to think and process things and then maybe even come back later and be like, hey, you remember this conversation? Here's my, you know, my personal two cents on that. So just know that that's okay. Um, I think that if anything, those are the people I value in my life, the people who do that, the people who don't immediately throw things out there, the ones that spend time with God before they try to come at me, um, but then also the ones who look at their own sin before they come trying to pull sawdust out of my eye and make no mistake, I also have planks of my own. And it's the, the fact that the world sees the church as a giant hypocrite. Why? Because there are so many quote-unquote Christians running around doing these things harming even other professing Christians and then they wonder why people are just so sick of it trust me I get it we're all sick of it I as well I'm sick of it um, so just know that if your version if your idea of love doesn't align with what God says love is, understand that there is nothing, absolutely nothing on this planet that the enemy cannot taint and counterfeit. He is not original. He is not a creator of anything. He is merely a dirty counterfeit. And he will even twist love. The thing that people think is the most holy because God is love. Guess what? God is also righteous. He is also just. He is also um jealous there are so many more things than what god is and you cannot tell me if the enemy can twist righteousness justness think about our justice system and how messed up it is um if he can twist um holiness because let's be real that's a super fun one um if he can take all of these things and twist them why is love the one thing that's set apart why is that off limits it's not it is absolutely not brutal honesty is nothing but brutality and doesn't matter how you slice it brutality is not of God doesn't matter if you think you're right it doesn't matter if it's some some nugget of it is indeed true if it is brutal it is not of God because God is always going to filter everything through his holy and righteous love and if you are a follower of Christ you are called to do the exact same thing so just keep that in mind everybody's all gun shy about being judgmental well guess what it's okay it's okay to judge it totally is but just know that there are going to be times that you're going to judge wrong because you are not god so just go ahead and deal with that right now anyway as always i cannot stress it enough please 
please, please, please get in the Word. Our world would be so much different. It would be so much different if you actively get into the Word every single day. And I'm not talking just sit down and read it and check off that box. I'm talking sit down, talk to God, tell Him that you need His help. Let Him know that you are humbling yourself, that you don't know everything, and that you need His help to garner any sense of wisdom at all. He says that if you ask for wisdom, He will grant it. That is His word. <laughs> that is His word. So, like, ask for wisdom, ask for guidance, ask for understanding and discernment, then start reading. And I can tell you from personal experience, if you are to do this, your life will change. Now, it's not necessarily going to change your circumstances, okay? Take it from me. I'm five years down a really busted road. Has my circumstances changed at all? No. But my outlook has changed. I have changed. I am not who I once was, and I now view it all so much differently. And that is by the grace of God alone. I can sit here and be okay and not constantly torn apart. Why? Because of the grace of God and His Word and it washing over me and it teaching me these things. So just know that He is here to give you peace that passes all understanding. And if you go to Him and you are genuinely earnest in it, He's not going to turn you away. He's just not. Now, is He going to call things out on you, in you? Are there going to be things that you now have to deal with? Are there sins that you're going to have to now let go of? Are there things, fun pastimes? Maybe it's a show that you shouldn't be watching, that you're watching anyway, but even though you know you shouldn't. Is it drinking, partying with friends, smoking pot? I know that we all think that these are perfectly fine things and shouldn't be a problem, but I hate to tell you, things are a problem. Things that the world says is not a problem, nine times out of ten, is a problem to God. So, search your heart. Know that you, again, you don't, you don't come to Jesus clean. None of us do. We are constantly dirty. And it's Jesus who comes in and helps us clean up. Okay? We get in the shower because we are dirty. And when we get in, the water helps us get clean. But that shower does not rub the soap on your body. That shower does not do everything. There is action on your part as well. That is the way this works. You have to make an effort to be obedient. Christ is going to come in. He's going to willingly help you. He is gladly going to wash you with the water, wash you with his blood, cover your sins. He's going to make you holy. He is going to cover you with his righteousness. That is what he agrees to do. But he asks that you be obedient. If you are not obedient, then you are not going to truly become righteous and clean and holy. You're not. Why? Because it's an effort on your part. If you are still running around, sinning the way you always have, yet asking him for forgiveness every night and then getting up and doing the same thing, you are not a child of God. And that is going to really be a problem and a wake-up call for a lot of people when this all ends. And make no mistake, I can sincerely and earnestly say that I pray that Jesus returns, that he returns soon because this world is so sideways. So, as always, get in the Word, get in the Word get in the word. I pray that the Lord blesses you through it. I know that he will. I don't even have to ask him because I know, because I know what he says. So get in the word and make that effort. Make that effort. I'm not saying that you can be holy and righteous and all these things on your own. I'm saying make better choices. 
when you want to be disobedient, when you want to do something that you know is counter to what God says, just don't. When you want to say something, stop. Don't. Because we're supposed to be so slow to speak and slow to anger. These are things that he called us to that is countercultural to the world we live in now. So just keep that in mind. And as always, God bless.